enthusiastic quitter. Except I forgot to put my microphone in front of my face. There we go. Man, it's been like a week and a half or two weeks since we talked. Probably close like to two weeks. Forever. It has been forever. Barely recognized you. You're growing your hair out all along now. It's almost scraping on the floor. Wow. <laughs> Painting quite the picture over there. Oh, maybe I yes. can in your uh, Ooh, do you need to bleep that out? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have, but uh, nobody uh, listens I'll, I'll anyway. bleep it out in post. I'm editing this one, too. Okay. Nobody <laughs> listens anyway, so it's quite all right. <laughs> but uh, my hair has also been growing, but I don't know if it's as noticeable. I'm going to try to cut it tonight because it's getting annoying. Cool. But besides our um, natural growth of hair, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> That sounds so weird. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's been a lot of school. Um, I know that's not really an exciting update, but I had like several group projects last week. Um, one of them is I'm uh, doing a microcontrollers project. So as I've kind of mentioned here before, I do enjoy playing with uh, things like Arduinos, um, programming those. Uh, this class is using its... Uh, it's called an AVR circuit playground, and I'm showing you here on our Skype call right now. Um, but it's just a it's just a circuit board with a microprocessor on it. <clears throat> um, it's got like different buttons and lights and speakers uh, built into it, um, and uh, and the point of the project was just to um, basically write a program for it to do certain things, um, and. Uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, we're writing in something called assembly language, which is you have when it comes to programming, you have thing, uh, different levels of languages. So you have something called a low level language uh, all the way up to a high level language. And it's not it doesn't mean like how easy it is to program. Um, it means how essentially how basic the instructions are. So a low-level language has very primitive instructions. Um, a higher-level language will uh, let you do uh, maybe more complicated things easier um, because it might have, uh, let's say, it might have a function that already does something for you. Um, it's uh, it's just in general, um, it can be a lot faster to. Uh, prototype something in a higher level language uh, but might not run as efficient as a lower level language. I know it's probably kind of confusing but um, it made it kind of a challenge because I've never worked with low level assembly language before but it was really fun uh, too just because I enjoy programming little uh, microcontrollers, Arduino type things. Um, and then my other group project is not as exciting. It's a <laughs> statistics project. We're doing a uh, an experiment where we're all going to boil water with different salt contents uh, to see how that affects the boiling point of water because it's supposedly will uh, and uh, we have to basically just record data for that. Um, that sounds like a pretty basic uh, science experiment. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> grade school. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like um, like uh, something you might do at, like a science fair or like something, but it's uh. The point isn't necessarily the project. It's more about the process and recording data and writing up the report and all that stuff. Mm. So um, <laughs> we just chose the easiest one that uh, we could all, because we're all like, you know, doing this remotely. And so we all have to 
contribute to it. So we have to do something that everybody has like access to like stuff to do it. Well, hopefully everybody has access to salt. Yeah, hopefully. You never know. They might have to go like swipe some salt packets at a fast food restaurant or something. Um, There's a crazy Russian hacker video about this uh, stuff you can use on your driveway to melt snow. And it's some kind of mixture. It's like salt that you would throw, but it's not salt. And uh, when it mixes with water, it actually heats up. So don't Yikes. accidentally use that stuff. <laughs> like it's it's quite noticeable. I uh, tried it out once. Wait, gotta is is it like uh, like an ingredient you can buy in a grocery store, or is it? Uh, I can't more remember a... what the ingredient is for the life of me. It's gonna like, have to look uh, it up. I should watch the Crazy Russian Hacker. I, I love his intros. You know, welcome back. And <laughs> safety is number one priority. I want to get a sign that says that and put it on like the door to my shop because I always think of that when I go into my shop because I always pawn my glasses when I go into my shop. Uh, yes, I want to get one too, but I'm going to cross out the one and put a three. What? The one? It's not number one priority. It's number three priority. What is Safety. number one and two? Safety. Safety wise. Oh, what's number one priority? Number one and two. Um, making stuff and having fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't I, I let like safety that. get in the way of progress. Yeah, of course, of course, yes. Um, anyway, yeah. carry on with your story. Uh, that's pretty much it. So, unfortunately, um, nothing really exciting to update on. Um, I am building a just one of my many projects. Uh, I decided it would be fun to build a, a uh, cornhole set for the summer. So, I am working on that. Um, Do you ever get anywhere with your crossbow? I did. Wait, did I not? Wow, how long has it been? So, oh, my goodness, it has been pretty long. So, I, I did. Um, of course, it's still, like, in the stage where it doesn't have all the aluminum parts because I kind of ran into issues cast, casting with that. Ignore the background noise. Um, yeah, so I kind of mocked it up, put it together here with all the wood parts that I made. So, it's very cool in that... Um, see, I'm trying to show you here on the camera. Uh... It's got like the trigger in here, and it hmm. like functions. And I have the have the uh, nut here. Oh wow! Yeah, you, you haven't shown me any of this. Stuff. Um, and there it is, sitting inside here. I know I just have some nails through here uh, for the pegs because I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do there. That's three um, uh, D printed. No, this is just a wood one I made. Oh, um, okay. the three D print was going to be the one that I was going to do the lost PLA casting with, but. Haven't got around to doing that yet, because um, that's going to be quite a quite a task. Uh, but yeah, I just put it in here, and uh, it it's quite functional. Um, you can see here when the trigger is down, I'm I'm pulling on this, and the nut does not release. Um, and then if I do pull up the trigger here, then the then the nut will spin forwards. Um, What's the uh, trigger made of? Uh, the trigger is just wood, so it's, oh, okay. It's it's obviously not functional. I mean, or it is functional, but it's not. Uh, not practical. It's just kind of demonstrate that the mechanism actually works. A uh, um, quick side I, note: it's uh, mm -hmm. calcium chloride is what's in the uh, the uh, ice melter. Ah, uh, interesting. That does not sound like something you can buy at a store. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, carry on with your story about your uh, crossbow. Maybe maybe that's something I could find on Amazon, though. You know. Oh, probably. Yeah. <clears throat> um. 
yeah, uh, what else? Um, I did some more finishing to, like, the stock. I put a notch in here for the, uh, the arrow to sit in, the bolt. Um, I did some more carving as well as sanding on the stock. It's not really showing up here on the camera. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Um, it's, it's like, I can't really, I mean, I could do more, I suppose, but I'm really hoping to at some point cast these parts in aluminum to make a, kind of complete what I had set out to do. Um, but what yeah, do you got going on for the, uh, the bow? Was that called again, the prod? The prod, yeah. So the prod, um, it's kind of, uh, just a, a mock setup here, um, there's just a couple layers of plywood that I put together okay. and cut to shape. Um, it's really nothing fancy, um, but there was no way I could uh, could uh, put the one you you sent me on this because it's far too strong right now. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't do it until I had at least some metal parts in here. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's kind of where this is at. Um, I set it aside for now though, just because. Uh, I'm at like kind of a tough spot and um, can't really move forwards until I figure out how I'm going to cast these parts, um, which I do want to do at some point, um, but I just set it aside for now so I don't get too tired of working on the same project in a, when it's in a hard sp spot. Huh. Um, what else? What else? Uh, 3D printer. You know, I, I think I mentioned on this podcast uh, that I'm interested in 3D printing in R2-D2. Which I think is very cool. Um, they can just like 3D print the stuff. Um, my 3D printer is back here behind me, um, but it's been uh, I've, I haven't even actually printed anything on it yet because I've been so busy, and it's not not the kind of thing where you just unbox it, put it together, and print your first part. There's a lot more t to it. Um, so I want, I'm going to probably work on that tomorrow, actually, because I'm on spring recess and uh, be able to dedicate the whole day to, you got to do things like leveling it um, and just doing various test prints, adjusting all kinds of settings till you get, get it right, because um, it also kind of varies with the brand of filament you get to, um, till you get the, the settings you are happy with excuse me, are happy with. Um, I'm also setting up something called Octoprint, which is, uh, I got a Raspberry Pi. Um, so Raspberry Pi is just, it's like a mini computer, right? Mm -hmm. um, just a low power one. It's not um, not a good idea to do anything intensive on it, but uh, it can, um, it, it's, it's serving as my little Octoprint server. And what Octoprint is, uh, is it lets me print uh, remotely to the printer so like i could be um on my laptop maybe upstairs and i send a file to the printer and uh it will go ahead just over the wi-fi and it'll go ahead and start that printing and i can have a webcam set up and i can watch my print and it can do other things like it can detect um like uh, it's called like uh, spaghetti or something um when the there uh it becomes an issue with the filament extruding from the tip and it just it basically your print starts to look like a plate of spaghetti, uh, which is not a good thing. Um, and so it can like prevent that. Um, so yeah, the, uh, I did set that up. Um, and that seems to be functioning nicely. Um, you can even print like, uh, if you have it connected to your home network, you can even print 
um, like from, uh, you know, wherever on the world, basically. Um, you can log in and tell your printer, you know, hey, I, I want you to print this. It's not a good idea, though, because problems can always happen. Um, in fact, I pulled out a shop fire extinguisher recently to have on hand, not mm. from my 3D printer per se, um, but I, we have a whole bunch sitting around down here, so I figured I'd just have one in the place. Because um, I also like have a bunch of space heaters running down here all the time because it's pretty cold because my workshop's in the basement. So, yep, that, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for me. Um, yeah, uh, weather's been fantastic. Loving, uh, spring is kind of coming here in Missouri. Uh, don't know, probably not quite as much for you in Wisconsin there, but, uh, so how's your last two weeks or so been? Oh, boy. Um, I've been working a ton of overtime at work. Mm. Um just had uh, my friends one of my best friends uh, weddings wow um, so Amazing. it was a, a lot of getting ready for that um they picked out uh a color of pants that we had a special order i got the mm-hmm. largest size that they had which was just a tad too small for me mm. um they had planned for the wedding to be back in like november i think and uh then it got pushed to march uh so i put on some weight between those two dates so, the same problem was with the shirts where I ordered the largest size shirt that they had in that style that they were going with, and it was too small for me, way too small. So, I ended up having to do some uh, modifications. You I, tailored uh, it yourself? I sure did. <laughs> it was, they're both custom tailored. The pants, thankfully, had plenty of material. Um, you know, the center seam where the legs come together. Mm-hmm. Um they had folded in enough material on the inside to allow you to let it out. Mm. So I was able to just rip that seam and then let the material out and then sew it again. And that was just barely big enough. Wow. Um, I had plans for how I was going to add material if I had to. (laughs) I actually was going to slit down the pocket because there's a little bit of, you know, the pant color material that goes into the pocket. And so I was going to rip that side seam and then pull it a little larger and then add Mm -hmm. some filler material if necessary, which I think it would have had to do down down the leg a little bit where the uh, uh, pocket ends. I, of course, wasn't going to tell the bride and groom about this at all because I didn't want them to worry (laughs) about it not looking right because I knew I had uh, I knew I had the skills. I uh, had to go buy some special fabric, though, to match, and I couldn't find anything that was just right. I got some green that was just a little too bright, and I think if push came to shove i'd had to just bleach it a little bit to bring the the color down a little bit maybe add a touch of blue um that's where my photography and color knowledge uh, (laughs) came in handy to know what i needed to do to get to where i wanted it Mm -hmm. thankfully i was able to just let out that little bit of fabric though and get it to work and then for the shirt i actually had to add a whole panel on the side so i just cut the seam up the side under the arm and then uh added a width up each side and then it tapered down to a point uh on the sleeve so w- what color were the uh the shirt and the pants again like, uh, the shirt they, was these white are not common okay uh, the shirt was white it was just a specific style that they had ordered with a you know a specific cut to the pocket and a specific cut to the uh, color okay. which okay. i could have probably completely gotten away with just buying a shirt from walmart and using that but uh 
I wasn't sure how close it was going to be. So I uh, modified that. I found some fabric glue that you can use for gluing delicate parts if you can't pin Mm. them because the pins will sometimes cause a little ripple. Um, So it's a glue stick like you would use on paper, you know, like when you were a kid that didn't actually work. Yeah, Um, of course. this This stuff worked sort of reasonably. It was a purple stick, and it said it goes on purple, dries clear, and washes out. And uh, it did pretty good. Um, really? Yeah, it's just like this bright purple when you put it on and you just feel like you're ruining it. And then it just dries <laughs> completely clear. You're able to sew up your parts. And then when you get it wet again, when you're washing it, it all, it all turns purple and you start worrying that's not going to come out. But it all did. I did have problems huh. with the fabric pencil that I used not completely washing out. There was a couple of spots where I drew on the lines where I needed to cut and fold stuff. And... I guess the pencil got folded under on the inside, and since it's white, you could sort of see it through because it was blue pencil. And uh, it didn't completely wash out, but there was no way you would notice without actually, like, getting up and examining the shirt. So I had to adjust the tensioner on my sewing machine because that got taken apart when I was a kid and put back together wrong, and i just kind of been (laughs) using it since. So I had to take the whole thing apart, figure out how it worked and how stuff was supposed to go back together. Because there's a couple washers, a spring, and there's a, like a little toothed gear in there that connects mm. to the, the turning knob. It was a, a whole fiasco, but I got it all put back together and working again. Put it, putting back mechanisms, putting mechanisms back together that have a spring inside have always been the worst to me. Because the spring usually has to get compressed into some kind of weird position. And you like you need mm. like several hands and different like screwdrivers and stuff like holding the spring in place and like closing hatches and like it, it's never worked for me trying to put something like that back together. Yes, yes, springs are always difficult. Got it to work though. Nobody noticed. Um, I think in the groom's party all stayed at one Airbnb, and then the bride's party all stayed at a different Airbnb. Um, so what we did is we tried to get ready the night before, and I would say half of us had our act together and the other <laughs> half did not. <laughs> uh, there was at least, yeah, I think two people that uh, delayed buying their pants until the last minute, and the one guy, mm. it was completely sold out of the color that he needed, so he ended up having to go to the store and try to find one that was just close. It was close, but not exact. And then um, the other guy had ordered it, and they said that they shipped it. And then two days before the wedding, they sent him an email saying that they were out of that color and asked if he wanted a different color. Oof. And so he uh, canceled it and had to go to the store to buy a pair of pants as well. And uh, ended up missing the rehearsal because of it. Oh, no. That would be so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he finally made it. Um, one of the guys got a bow tie that didn't match everybody else's somehow. I don't know how he managed that, but it was a very specific green bow tie we were supposed to get. I don't know if anybody noticed, but, uh, there was that. Um, so that, that brings me to my next point, which was, uh, this is my first time wearing a bow tie. Have you ever tried tying a bow tie before? I've not. I think they look pretty awesome though. Yeah, yeah, and you'd think so even more if you knew how they tied and how difficult yeah, they are. I've seen them, and, you know, I, I don't know what I would imagine they would look like, but 
I have no idea how you can turn just a long, thin strip of fabric into that beautiful shape. Like, yeah, it's how actually, much... it's not a completely flat strip of plastic or fabric. It's, uh, uh-huh. you got your narrow band that goes around your neck, and then it's got a little bulge, and then it comes back in and then tapers out to kind of a delta shape. Okay. And so, we went for the real McCoy here. We didn't go with clip-ons, and none of <laughs> us had tied bow ties before, except <laughs> the groom and, I think, his brother. That's awesome. So, the morning of the wedding, we were all trying to, first of all, get all of us through the shower, because there were two showers in this place, but the one was like this bathtub with a little shower that you were supposed to use sitting in the bathtub, which didn't work great, and the other one was an actual stand-up shower. So, we were trying to get all of us through the shower. The photographers were coming at... 10 or 11 to try to get photos of us getting ready so we like were pretending to get ready for them to take photos um but then it turned out we were actually getting ready because we got so far behind so it worked out it's awesome um so yeah we were all trying to learn how to tie bow ties and they actually just work like the regular bow that you would tie on your shoes except that you have a flat piece of fabric and where the loops go you have to fold them in a very specific place they're so weird the way they're set up because there's actually three layers of fabric on each side. Um, you end up with a loop, and then you, you know your your tail on your uh, your shoelace uh, bows. That mm-hmm. and the loop actually had to lay together, one on top of the other. So not only are you tying this loop, but you have to get the layers all correct in the correct orientation so that they're laying flat against each other and you have to make sure the loop goes through the correct direction through the the center so you you actually fold the loop in half so it's doubled up on the one side and then you bring (laughs) you bring the uh the other end up and over to give you your little center piece to hold everything together Uh and that gets comes up and gets folded and tucked in through the uh uh, the hole that was then created by the other layers of fabric, and okay. then you got to try to do all of this under your chin where you can't see what you're doing, <laughs> and everything's backwards in the mirror. So I found out last minute that because I'd never tried to tie it because I didn't know how to do it. Uh, mine was way too small for my neck. I've got a pretty large neck, and I ended up having to because they've got they've got a little bit of adjustment so that if you get them tied, you can pull the adjuster and get it snug mm-hmm. down just right, um, which I don't know was necessary, but um, I ended up having to break that adjuster and add some a little bit of ribbon in, so I got a little extra space. So I was I actually set it up at the right size so I could slip it off my head, so I was able to tie it in front of me and then put it on. Nice. So I kind of sort of cheated there, but uh, I got the knot figured out, and I ended up tying another guy's, and it worked for him. Um, I was kind of like the fix it, <laughs> fix it all guy throughout the entire process. Um, for some reason, none of the other guys could figure out how to get their corsage put on. You know, the little flower thing that uh, that you wear. Um, how hard is that? That seems like know. the easiest part. Yeah, I don't know. I even showed them how to do it, and they couldn't get it. So I had to put like six of the eight corsages on. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Absolute hero. I, I don't know if I did it right, but I did it a way that worked. <laughs> you just stick the pin through the, the the wrap in the top, stick it down through the shirt, then tuck it back in 
you know, out of the shirt into the uh, into the green again, and that worked perfectly fine. Um, huh. Nobody else could uh, get theirs to work. Not to brag about myself or anything, just that these are some of the adventures <laughs> that we had. Um, they also okay. So tell me what you think when I when I tell you this. They decided to do okay. instead of a Unity candle, a Unity branding. Oh my goodness, uh, uh, branding! Like I'm picturing like cattle branding. This doesn't yeah. sound good. <laughs> That's what you would immediately think of. It was actually just a wood wood burner brand. Okay. Um, with their, it was a kind of a circular shape with their last name in it, and uh, I would say it was probably about the size of a CD uh, piece of brass. Uh huh. Flat, um, and it had been cut on some sort of CNC mill. Um, they also had a heating element that screwed on the back, so it was like a pretty a giant, pretty beefy wood burner. Mm-hmm. Um, problem was, they had ordered them separately, and the actual brand itself had a metric uh, M8 by 1.25, I believe, thread in it, and the wood burner, I believe, was quarter 20. Oh, man. So they were very close. But the, the quarter 20 definitely did not go in. I think it was quarter 20. Definitely did not fit in the hole at all. There was no way to make it work. It wasn't like you could just jam it in and get it to work. So uh, the groom told me about this like four days before the wedding, and there was no way for him to get it to me. Um, he told me that they didn't fit. He thought that they were both standards. So I figured, okay, we'll just drill the hole a little larger and retap it for a little bit larger size. Then I discovered on the day that it was actually metric, or I should say the day before, during rehearsals. Because uh, right after rehearsals, I went to Menards and started checking uh, the threads to see what they were. So I ended <laughs> up buying an M8 bolt. Um, I was going to try to drill it out and just retap it, but the problem is that the hole was so short, I was only going to get like one or two good threads because, you know, the taps taper so as to... Mm-hmm to take uh, smaller bites and then larger and larger as it goes in deeper. So I wasn't going to get any, you know, good solid uh, threads. And I couldn't just Uh drill through because the letters on the other side were in the way and it ended up drilling out the letters. Oh, man, that would be pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting there with a caliper trying to measure everything and see where it lined up. And uh, couldn't get that to work, so I ended up discovering that it was actually an insert a brass insert that goes in the iron itself and i was able to pull that out and flip it around and there was a flat end on the other side and i had brought i brought all my taps that were within the range of what i might have needed and just kind of as a, a afterthought i was like yeah you know i'll just grab my metric taps just in case and lo and behold i needed my metric taps and uh so we were at this really nice Airbnb. Airbnb. It was a uh, a cabin style, mm-hmm. and they had like everything in there was. You know, you get your kind of your cute cabins that have all this fake outdoorsy stuff. This was the real deal. They had a real strip built canoe hanging from the ceiling upside down, oh, so you could see nice. inside. They had like fishing creels and fishing rods and uh, like an old old uh, bow. Um, they had a bunch of old snowshoes that were actually made with rawhide and, you know, bent wood. Like, this this place wow. was the real, had the real deal for decorations. Uh, they had a spiral staircase leading upstairs that had a entire tree as the center. 
It was probably a six or eight inches That's across. Cool. And it went all the way from the basement all the way up to the ceiling because it was a it was a basement where there was a couple bedrooms and there was the main floor. And then there was an upper part that had a loft area that was kind of half of the house. And then the other half was open over the living room. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And then, so the spiral staircase went around the tree down into the basement. Everything That's was wood. So cool. Yeah. It, it was a pretty neat place. Um, and there was a shed outside. And we actually had access to the shed. And there were a couple of wood saws in there. And then a bunch of other miscellaneous tools that did not do me any good. And a rickety table. There was no workbench and no vice. And... Uh, I had thought about bringing a vice with because I knew I might have to work on this thing, but I figured I'd make it work. Um, that was a mistake. But I did bring some giant sea clamps with. So I was just hunting all over this house looking for a place where I could clamp the uh, workpiece down. But it was round, of course, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And everything is made of nice wood. So there was no Ooh, good place yeah. to clamp to. Uh, I finally found a windowsill in the bathroom that was made of some pretty beefy wood. That was rough sawn, and I was able to stick that round piece in the corner of the windowsill and then wrap it with some cardboard and then take the C-clamp and clamp it at an angle so it was pulled into that corner so it was secured, you know, uh, both ways. And so it had three points of contact so it wouldn't, wouldn't wiggle. The problem was it was round, so it kept trying to spin on me. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. So I... Uh, Use my calipers to find the center of this thing. Use my automatic center punch that I had brought with, just as an afterthought as well, and I gave that a couple punches. I brought my uh, a whole drill set with, so I drilled a pilot hole, and then I drilled a little bit larger pilot hole. This is all freehand, trying to make sure everything is as straight and square as possible. Wow. And then I got my final size drill bit, and it was just biting in so hard because it's brass and it's soft, uh-huh. and so it just... It was making the most awful sound, and it would grab and try to uh, turn the uh, the brass piece. So I remembered a little trick I had learned from a YouTube channel called ClickSpring that I watch. He uh, does some, a lot of machining of small parts, and he works with brass a lot. And he mm-hmm. had talked about how you can uh, reduce, I think it's called the rake angle of the drill bit, um, when okay. you're working with brass so that it's not so aggressive. And... He showed how to do it, I think, with a whetstone. Of course, I had no whetstone with me. should have brought one. Um, so I found a rock that the Airbnb owners had sitting on their counter. It was like a little decorative rock or something that they had found somewhere. It was broken off on the bottom. It was not straight at all, but I used that to sort of dull the bit just ever so slightly, and that seemed to help a lot. It, uh, it didn't make it such an aggressive bite, and I was able to finally get the hole drilled out. Hmm. wasn't as square as I was hoping, but it was pretty good for being freehand. And uh, then I got my metric tap, and I started tapping, and of course, the piece being round, it kept binding up and wanting to turn the piece, and I had to just keep clamping tighter and tighter and tighter. And uh, it was a whole fiasco, but I finally got it to work. Problem was, this bolt that I had bought had a head on it, and uh, I had not brought a saw, because... Why would you need a saw to tab, drill and tab a hole? <laughs> Thankfully, I had the presence of mind at Menards to also buy some saw blades, some hacksaw blades, but of course I didn't have the actual hacksaw frame. So there I was. I had this brass blank with the, the tapped hole. I screwed the 
bolt into that and then just by holding the hacksaw blade by itself free i had to saw all the way through an eight millimeter bolt oh it was pretty jagged took me forever finally made it through uh so then i flipped it around and screwed it into this brass piece and then i screwed it into the uh the brand and it was too long and oh no the hole was tapped to a certain depth I tried to turn, pull it back out again so I could just tap the hole a little deeper, but it was stuck in there. I didn't have any players or anything with me to, to really get a good grip on it, so I ended up having to cut through the... And remember, this is a steel 8mm bolt again uh-huh. with just a hacksaw blade, no hacksaw oh. to support it. Finally, finally, finally cut all the way through that again, and I uh, got it to work. Everything fit together. Then the problem was that that brass piece wouldn't fit back in the iron because it was too long because there was that little brass bolt sticking out the other end. So then I had to take the saw blade and again cut off another bolt, but thankfully this one was just brass, so it cut a lot quicker. Wow. Uh, finally got that to work, and then, lo and behold, the the iron, the, the uh, electronic part did not put out enough heat to even get it hot enough to burn wood. So in the end, we ended up having to heat it. We had a, there was a guy actually playing live violin for the wedding. And uh, so during the vows, he actually went in the back room and just used a small propane torch that I had had the presence of mind to bring along. Dude, you were prepared. uh, Oh, yeah, I was ready to go. Like I said, I pretty much saved that entire wedding (laughs) single-handedly. No kidding. Man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But so the guy went in the back room while they were doing their vows and heated up the... uh, the the brand with the torch while they were saying their vows and then brought it out to them quickly so that they could brand the piece of wood together. It was a it was a whole fiasco. Uh, but it went very well. A lot of good people there. Had a lot of fun. Did a lot of dancing. I was real sore the next day. You danced? Well, by myself to the music. Uh, okay. There was a couple of group dances where we kind of made a train like we'd put our our hands on the shoulders of the person ahead of us and mm. do a dance as we snaked around the room it was uh-huh. kind of like that game of snake except that we didn't eat people along the way ah i see yeah so that was fun um the night before the uh, groom had come up with some fun games for us to play Mm-hmm. Um, first the, the brother of the groom who was the best man had, uh, just kind of had a little devotional and we all went around and told stories about the groom and, uh, cause we all knew him at different points in his life and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. Um, and then he had brought a, I believe it was a ghost pepper, dried ghost pepper Ooh. and wow. a thing called the world's hottest chocolate bar. And I've eaten some really? pretty hot stuff in my day. So I was like, you know, he brought one ghost pepper. I would have eaten the whole thing by myself. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have been uncomfortable, but I'd have done it. So we decided to go with this candy bar first. And it was probably an inch and a half by an inch and a half. Like, you would look at that and think, that's hardly hardly a mouthful. It's like bite-sized. Yeah. Uh, but it was divided into like nine sections. And mm. those were probably, we actually cut it up with a knife, and they were probably, oh boy, three-eighths of an inch by three-eighths of an inch, something like that. 
that's pretty small. The math may not work out there, folks. So just saying, I'm just <laughs> just visually estimating here on the fly. Uh, yeah, they were very small, and I just. You know, I figured everybody was going to hem and haw who was going to eat the first one. So I just picked one up and popped it in my mouth. And then the <laughs> the groom's brother is like, all right, everybody, show your chocolate bar for the camera. He's like, oh, Cody, did you already put yours in your mouth? And so I was sitting there with it melting in my mouth. And they took a picture. And then I figured to get the full effect, I, I smeared it around my mouth. And boy, was that a mistake. Man, everybody really? pretty much, yeah, everybody popped theirs in right away after and <laughs> Everybody pretty much went into seizures. <laughs> this thing was so hot. That's um, awesome. I don't know if we've ever mentioned before, but I've been pepper sprayed a couple of times as part of my job. And this was literally as bad as getting pepper sprayed in your mouth. You know, pepper sprays, of course, over your entire face, in your eyes, in your nose, and your mouth. But this was just in your mouth. But it was the same mm-hmm. heat. And it was the sort of thing where... It was so hot on the mucous membranes of your mouth, of course, but then you almost didn't want to breathe because that little bit of air that was in your mouth oh, was yeah. infected with it, and you didn't want to accidentally have a little bit of spit run down into your lungs. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Everybody just immediately had this reaction. Everybody's face went beet red. People were sweating <laughs> and crying, and their uh, their noses were running like crazy, as is what happens when you get pepper sprayed, <laughs> and uh, it was awful. Thankfully... Thankfully, thankfully, the uh, the best man knew about this ahead of time and stopped to get ice cream along the way. Cause, oh, uh, I didn't nice. Think the groom had planned that part out because we didn't have anything otherwise. <laughs> and so, oh man, we were just in so much pain and agony through the whole thing, and we were just eating spoonfuls of ice cream to try to cool this thing down, and wow. it eventually cleared up. And then once everybody kind of uh, regained consciousness, <laughs> the, uh, the the groom was like, all right, who wants to go for the ghost pepper? And uh, I was smart enough, and one of the other guys were smart enough not to eat it, but there was a couple of the, everybody else tried it. And uh, I was like, no, that's, that's just too much for me for one day. That was so bad. But then they all said the ghost pepper wasn't nearly as bad as the candy bar, which is... Huh on point with my original plan where I was just going to eat the the ghost pepper. Like, well, you know, it'll be bad, but not that bad. Wait, uh, so have you eaten ghost peppers before? I don't know specifically ghost peppers. I've had some really hot sauce before. And I've you know, yeah. eaten some pretty hot jalapenos, which, of course, don't really compare to, like, ghost peppers. But that's just one of those things. Like, you eat the actual pepper... And I know what my mouth is going to do with it, how it's going to react. But this was so much worse because it was must have been some kind of powder that was put in this chocolate. Huh. And so when you ate it, it just literally got into everything. And I don't think your mouth absorbs that much when it's just a regular pepper. So you made it say you said the candy bar gave you the same reaction as pepper spray. So. Mm. I don't know what's in pepper spray, but I would assume it is made of the vegetable, peppers. Yeah, and the, so, so the, the ingredient is, it's OC, oleoresin capsicum. Okay, so it's not actual pepper. Well, capsaicin is what's in peppers, and this capsicum stuff I think is very similar. I don't know if it's actually made of peppers or if it's just a lab-made thing. Okay, I see. So, 
Did, would that have any relation to the candy bar? Like, would the candy be, candy bar be made of the same thing? Oh, I'm sure it was something very similar, yes. Like, is it like eating pepper spray, <laughs> like in a candy bar? <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, it was so bad. Um, Yeah, but uh, it brought us all closer together. <laughs> we were actually a pretty tight group of guys by the end of it. Uh, some of the people I had really That's never great. met before, so except maybe at the bachelor party um yeah all of us were like hey let's uh let's try to get together and stay friends after this so it was uh, a very fun That's experience awesome. yeah very cool uh, the wedding went great had some good food and good people yeah other than that uh haven't been doing a whole lot like i said i've been working a lot of overtime um i want to get back on and work on the lathe try to get that switch mm-hmm. wired up i uh I actually drew it out and sat down with my dad and figured out how to wire a three-phase switch to make this two-phase motor work correctly so I don't have to put a different switch on it. So I think think I got everything worked out correctly there. So I had to go wire that up one of these days. Uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that I uh, fly an ultralight, and I was really hoping to get out this weekend, or today specifically, Ooh. because I got up to 60 degrees. But it was overcast, rainy, and windy all day, so didn't get a chance mm. to get up. I uh, also uh, had to renew my driver's license, so that's exciting. <laughs> Man, I, sh- I need to check mine. I-, I-, I don't know when mine expires. Yeah, I do a lot of driving for my job, and uh, one day I was like... <gasps> I don't know when this thing expires. <laughs> I should double check that I'm not driving on an expired license. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I had plenty of time. But uh, okay. okay, so question. So let's say you you go into the the license office and you renew your license, but you may have forgotten and your license expired like two months ago. Okay, just hypothetically, right? Like they obviously are going to see that your license has been expired for two months, mm-hmm. but you have to go in to renew it. Are they going to do anything? Like, I think there's a, like a $10 fee or something they charge you. Okay. Because they can't prove that you were driving with an expired license, but there's yeah, like, like a, You totally wouldn't have just driven there, yeah. An extra convenience fee for it expiring. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know how other states do it, but that's how they do it here. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, that's. I think that's all I've been working on lately. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, so, you know, we started this, I don't think we recorded this, but we started the running challenge where we're going to try to get up to, and anybody listening to the show is going to realize this is not very much, we're going to try to get up to 200 miles each by the hey, end of the summer. So what, it's a we lot set, to some people. We it's set an achievable goal for ourselves, and hopefully yeah. we'll be able to bump it up later on as the summer goes along. But uh, so you know how our favorite podcasters, Matt and Destin from the mm-hmm. Notum Questions podcast, are always advertising for these Raycons, the uh, <gasps> wireless earbuds. Did and, you get uh, some? <gasps> don't get ahead of the story here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I figured <laughs> I, I really need some earbuds for listening to music while i run because the only other mm-hmm. ones i have the, the wired ones are awful because they the wire kind of snags on your clothing and tries to pull out of your ears the yeah. entire time it's annoying i have another <laughs> kind of wireless earbuds that actually do have a wire going between the earbuds mm-hmm. and those are annoying because for some reason they put the little volume control and power button um capsule 
off to one side near the earbud oh, itself. I have earbuds just like those. And it's so it's off center. So when you're running, it's trying to pull one earbud out <laughs> yeah. and not the other. It's so <laughs> annoying. I have I've no idea who designed it. Exact same problem. It's a pretty common design in pretty mm-hmm. much any of those earbuds that I've seen that are wired together. So I finally decided I need some earbuds that are wireless and uh, finally making a little bit extra money could afford to spend some on Raycons. Now I probably shouldn't say this just in case Raycon ever wants to sponsor us, but I went on their website because they're always talking about how, oh, you know, they're at an affordable price, you know, so if you lose them, it's not the end of the world. Those things are 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Crazy. Yeah, they're crazy. Even... We they had a promo code where you could get fifteen percent off, but that was still did, crazy. Did crazy you expensive. did you use the promo code NDQ? Uh, so chance. I went to the the NDQ website and looked at the promo code, and I was just gonna copy and paste it to make sure I got it right. However, what I ended up doing is a quick uh, search on the old Amazon machine just to see what what else was out there for uh, wireless earbuds, and there is quite a few very 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 cheap ones. And I had bought some real cheap ones once just to play around with for 5 bucks on Black Friday, but they didn't fit very well. They did work, but didn't fit very well. And I wanted to make sure that these fit and weren't going to fall out while I was running. And then I found the brand Skull Candy, which is, at least to me, very well known in the audio world. I've seen them around a lot. They're very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones I've listened to have great audio. And they were selling theirs for half the price of Raycons. So I uh, I ordered these other wireless earbuds for half the price. They claim to have volume control and play pause options in the earbuds themselves. So we'll see when they come. They uh, they also nice. have their own little uh, case for charging. And uh, so we'll see. Yeah. So Raycon, if you want to sponsor us, you can certainly send us free <laughs> stuff and we'll talk about it. But... Uh, that was my uh, my recent purchase. I also bought some uh, some seeds today, so hopefully I can get those started Ooh. before growing season. And I think I got some uh, cucumbers, some peas, and uh, tomatoes. So nice. You know, I was actually just talking about a garden recently too. Uh, I think I don't know. Have we mentioned it gardening on the podcast before? I think we might uh, have. I think we've briefly mentioned it. It's on our list of things to talk about if we ever run out of stuff. Yeah, well, given that it's kind of going to be that time of year again, um, I want to do a garden, but I want to do the real deal. Like, not none of this container gardening stuff. Like, it's fine and all, but to me, like, I, I want to do, like, what we did when I was, like, a lot younger and we lived in Wisconsin. We had, like, a pretty sizable garden, um, like an actual in-ground garden. We, like, dug it up and removed the topsoil, and then we tilled it and, like had all these pretty rows and stuff like that and we grew all kinds of stuff um i really love that and like there's just something about like going out to your garden and like walking barefoot between the rows and feeling the dirt squeeze between your Mm. toes and like um it's like something really fun for me and uh it's, it's fun to grow your own stuff but you don't get that with like the container gardening and the container gardening too the plants they just like erupt out of your containers and it gets super messy because you have like plants Mm. like plant limbs hanging everywhere (laughs) all over your patio and stuff so i want to do the in-ground garden the reason we have not is because we tried it several years ago and had a problem in that all our food was getting eaten by animals Mm. uh we know people at church that have 
uh, try to do gardening as well. And yeah, it's just, it's the bunny rabbits and the deer, like nonstop. Like they love, love the gardens. Apparently it's very uh, common in Missouri for gardens to get eaten up by them. And so I read that you need at least an eight foot fence to prevent deer from jumping over, which is really high. Uh, I'm not really interested in in putting up a fence um, that big and probably pretty big because I want a big garden. Um, So I was looking up deterrent methods and um, came across you can get motion activated uh, basically water jets. Um, Hmm. You just hook up your garden hose and uh, it it will spray water in the direction that the motion was detected. Um, And the motion detector is like, got some like 50 100 foot range something crazy but um i've seen some video clips of it working and uh it's gotten lots of great reviews so i am i'm really excited that this might be a pretty sound method um because i really i don't want to put up a fence um i don't want to fence my garden in because i don't want to like it's a lot of work to put up a fence but i also don't want it to feel like closed off and so I'm really hopeful that this uh, this might do the trick. So I'm thinking I'm going to get instead you make a fencing fence that's just a bunch of swords that start spinning if a deer comes close. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I could, uh, I, you know, I've been wanting to learn fencing at some point. I could maybe set up to, like, to practice just... dueling against. <laughs> oh, I was thinking you just stand out there and guard it yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, maybe I could build a robot with a sword. That sounds kind of dangerous. Yeah. Um, I can't see anything that could go wrong. Safety third, remember? That's right. Safety third. Uh, we wouldn't We wouldn't want to put safety um, above, you know, exploring new inventions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I do, I do want to get a garden. So, who knows? Maybe in a few months, I'll give you all an update and let you know if I recommend uh, water jet deterrence for deer. <laughs> nice. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, <clears throat> I think that's pretty much it. I think next time we talk, I will have an update um, how my 3D printer is coming. Um, okay. I'm going to get that running this weekend. So, I guess one little thing through. I'll show out there, throw out there, a uh, shameless plug, as they call it. I uh, just started a second podcast with a friend of mine where we're reviewing movies. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have a name for it yet. We don't have a site for it yet. We don't have anything <laughs> posted, but uh, wow, that should be coming in the near future. So be looking the, out the, for that. This is for all the people that um, that really like commenting first and stuff. So if you want to be first to Cody's oh, yes. new movie review podcast, that this you're getting the inside, the uh, the early announcement here. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so once we have our website up, you can go and just sit there and wait. And wait. <laughs> it'll be hosted through anchor again just like we're doing with this podcast so mm-hmm. yeah you can go on you can go on anchor and and wait and we like people lining up at the stores early for black friday <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well that's all i've got to talk about great catching up with you again and uh yeah hopefully we can record again soon now that the weather's getting nice hopefully we can start doing stuff outside again and we'll have more to talk about. So, Maybe we'll do a podcast outside. Oh. <laughs> As always, everybody, thanks for listening. And send us an email, enthusiasticwitter at gmail.com. Bye now. Bye. Bye.